Welcome to Reliance's Sunday Sermon. Worship with us at 8, 9.30, or 11 o'clock a.m. We hope you're encouraged by today's message. that the Word of God is the infallible Word of God, that everything that we need for life and godliness is found in it. Amen? And so if we can agree in a biblical worldview that this is the way that we see the world, now from that standard we can begin to lay other foundations. If we can't agree that the Bible's the Word of God, absolute and true, it's going to be difficult for us to build foundations together. So this right here is the standard. we got to see Scripture as the absolute truth. Then, uh, a couple weeks ago, we talked about how then we lay the foundation. And the foundation, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 3.10, the foundation is Jesus Christ. In other words, no one can get to the Father through, but through him. There's not many ways to heaven. He's the way, the truth, and the life. The only way to God is through Christ Jesus. Amen. He is our salvation. He is. He's not a way of salvation. He is salvation. Yes and amen. And so, right here we're building. And Paul's going to say, he laid a foundation. And the foundation that he laid is Jesus Christ. But he's going to use the words in 1 Corinthians 3.10, be careful now what you build on that foundation. In other words, he's saying, you can't lay another one. You can't say it's Jesus and my works. You can't say it's Jesus and my good behavior. It's just simply Jesus. Now what you build on that, be careful. Because he said fire is going to come and test it to see if it's really worth anything or not. So this is why these things are important to us. And so there's two things then that we want to talk about today that we want to build now on the foundation of Jesus that we believe is good doctrine. We believe it's important for our life. And those two things I want to talk about today are exciting things. Everybody say repentance. repentance. Is that exciting to you? Kind of. Repentance and then grace. Everybody say grace. grace. So we're going to talk two things today, repentance and grace, because I, I think that they go hand in hand, Okay. And I'll tell you why here in just a moment. These are building blocks that we're building on the foundation of Jesus. So I want to start. It's kind of bad news, good news. So I want to start a little bit with the uh, bad news, if we can. Um, we're messed up a little bit. Amen? We're, we're a bit messy. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a little bit messy. Now, now tell your neighbor, especially if you're a spouse, I'm not perfect. Did that feel good to some of you? Some of you are like, amen, testify. Yeah. Okay. So... So if you've got kids, you, you know this, like no one is perfect, like no child is perfect. I, I don't care how many bumper stickers you put on the back of your car, my student's an honor roll student, right? It doesn't make them perfect, amen? I saw a bumper sticker that says, my student beats up your honor roll student. I was like, that's just sick, that's just jacked up. <laughs> like no one is perfect, we, we know that. This is why we need grace, because we're not perfect. How many of you guys like to accept blame in your life? Anybody just love to take the blame? Anybody love to admit like that you're wrong? I know you don't. I watch you on Facebook. Nobody, <laughs> nobody loves to take blame. Nobody loves to admit that they're wrong. It's not in our DNA. It's, it's what we war against. Nobody wants to utter those words, I was wrong. Nobody wants to say it. It doesn't resonate with us. This is why we need repentance. 
This is why we need grace. This is why we need repentance. And so I wanna start with repentance if I can. What you'll see is repentance is over and over and over repeated in scripture from the New Testament and all the way back through the Old Testament. The problem is today, we don't hear a lot about the doctrine of repentance. We don't hear about it because we realize that it's really hard to hear because we don't like to be wrong. And so we don't talk a lot about it. And what you'll see in scripture, and, and it talks a lot about where our hearts are typically bent towards. And I wanna show you why we need uh, repentance if I can. In Romans 13, 14, it's gonna reveal our heart. And here's what it says. Clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of your sinful nature. There's something in our heart that likes to think about how to gratify the things that bring us pleasure that are contrary to the ways of God. There's a tendency in our heart to think about ways that we know would not be pleasing to the Lord, but yet it's pleasing to our eyes, it's pleasing to our hearts, pleasing to our soul. And so he's gonna say, be careful that you clothe yourselves with Christ so that you don't think about those desires. Then in Psalm 119, you're gonna hear David, 36, verse 36. He's gonna say these words, turn my heart towards your statutes and not towards selfish gain." So David's going, ah, I've got a war in my heart where my eyes want to look at selfish gain. My eyes want to look at what's good for my life and what I can get, what I can gain, what I can do. But I know that if my eyes turn towards your word and what you say, it's going to be much better for me. And he's like, there's a war inside of me. And he says, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Here's what he's going. When my eyes are fixed on worthless things, I start to lose my life. But when I have my eyes set on you, you preserve my life. Just the nature of our hearts. And then finally in Ephesians 4:17, he says, you were taught with regard to your old former way of life to put off the old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires. It's just a part of our sin nature to be made new, here's what he says, in the attitude of your, what's he say? Minds, and to put on the new self, to be created in, like God in righteousness and holiness. So here's what we're reading in scripture. We have a tendency in us to turn our eyes toward things that are worthless, to turn our eyes towards things that don't bring life. And so our response in those things, when we're bent towards things that are not of the Lord, the Lord gives us a response, and the word that he gives us is the word repentance. And you're gonna see it throughout scripture. I could rattle a hundred scripture verses. Acts 3.19, repent, turn to God. Look what he says. So that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. Luke 24.47, he's gonna say, repentance for forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed in the name of Jesus to all the nations. He's gonna say in Acts 17.30, in the past God overlooked such ignorance but now he commands all people everywhere to, everybody say repent. Jesus is gonna say it, John the Baptist is gonna come and say it, Peter's uh, gonna say it in Acts 2, 38, repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're gonna see it throughout, 2 Peter 3, 9, you're gonna see the love of Jesus for the world. 
The Lord is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but for all to come to, I would say, repentance. When you come to the New Testament, that Greek word for repentance, that metanoia, that word means to change the mind. This is what repentance is. It's to change the mind. I find it interesting that so much of Scripture talks about the war in the Mind talks about the attitude, change your attitude. So much of repentance is fundamentally about changing the way you think about things. The way I used to think about things versus the way I think about things today. It has to do with the way that your mind operates. It's interesting in the New Testament when Jesus is talking about sin and keeping the law and someone comes and says, I've kept the law. And he goes, oh really, have you lusted after a woman in your own heart? And he says, yeah, I have. He says, then you've committed adultery. Have you called your brother a fool? Then you've committed adultery murder in your heart. What he's doing is he's bringing it to a heart and a mind posture, not just a physical posture. Because he knows that this is where the root of sin takes place. And so repentance is thinking differently. You've got to stop thinking the way you've been thinking and start thinking new. Amen? It's the changing of the mind. Repentance is a change in the way I think that leads in a change in the way that I live. When you really change your mind about something, it's going to change the way you think about it and talk about it and feel about it and act on it. And so there was a time in my life where I didn't think about the things of the Lord. I thought about the things of the world, the pursuits of the world, the things that are going to bring me pleasure, the things that are going to give me my, my life, my pleasure. There was a time that I thought about those things often. And when Jesus came and changed my life, now when I'm drawn to those things, those things don't seem as appealing as he is now. And so I've got something in my heart that we call conviction. And that conviction says, why am I looking at that when I've seen him? This is where repentance is beautiful in the life of believers. I want to say this real quickly, if, if I can. All of this isn't because one day you woke up and just said, you know what? I really think I'm pursuing the wrong things. I'm going to fix my life. Not one person in this room woke up one day after a weekend bender and you go, you know what? I don't think that getting drunk every weekend is just great. I don't think that doing drunk, I don't think that sleeping around, I don't think that, you know, whatever it is that you're doing, cheating on whatever, I don't think that's great. Nobody wakes up and just all of a sudden goes, I just think that's really, really terrible. Scripture says all of that's going to come from the Holy Spirit's conviction. So we can't do this on our own. It's why Scripture says it's by grace we've been saved, not by works. You don't get to wake up one day and just go, I think I just woke up one day and I was better. God helped me with none of it. That's not what Scripture teaches. Jesus says the Holy Spirit was given to bring not only truth but conviction to the world. So the Holy Spirit comes in and he draws us into a place of repentance, bringing conviction and awareness of our need for a savior. In other words, from the time that you were born, God's been wooing you, wooing you through his love and through his spirit. He's been wooing you. And there's times where you felt that and you've got a glimpse of that until that moment where he captured your heart and you were running a race that you know was endless and was leading to death and you found the race that leads to life. This is why the Holy Spirit is there to not only teach you and lead you into all truth, but to bring the conviction for repentance 
into your life. And it's why 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous so that he will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And listen to what Paul will say in Romans 2, 4. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads us. I didn't do it. I didn't wake up one day. The kindness of the Lord leads us to repentance. The word repent literally means to stop and think again. We live in a crazy life where things are just flying by and it's just just crazy and we very rarely just stop and think soberly about eternity. Am I on a path that's leading to temporary things or am I on a path that's leading to eternal things? Repentance gets us to stop and to say, God, my path, I want it to be dependent upon you. I want to fully cease to rely on my own capacity and my own wisdom. I want to come, and this is what repentance does, I want to come into full submission to you and your word. You see, without repentance, I'm led by my feelings. I'm led by my emotions. I'm led by my heart, and if I'm in tune with this a little bit, my heart, it's kind of pulling up my heartstrings, then I'm, I'm led by that, or, or my feelings. I just really have feelings and emotions towards this, and so I'm, I'm led by that. And the problem with feelings and emotions, we talk about it a lot in here, is they lie to you. Because some days I like this, and some days I like this a little bit better. And so I'm blown back and forth with my feelings and emotions. But repentance gets us into submission to the Lord and to his word. And now I don't have to worry about my feelings. I simply need to know what his heart says. This is repentance. And it's that submission to the Lord. And here's what you're going to see from the author of Hebrews. The author of Hebrews is going to be like, look, church. (laughs) He kind of puts us on blast. He goes, this is just a baseline doctrine. He says in Hebrews chapter 6 verse 1, therefore let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ. And he's going to tell you what that is. And go on to maturity, not laying again. This is what he's calling elementary. Not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and faith towards God. Here's what he's saying to us. He's going, we shouldn't have to argue whether or not we should repent. We shouldn't have to, to argue whether or not it's good to come to the Lord and say, God, you cleanse my heart today. He's like, this is an elementary thing. Let's go on to other things. We just should know that part of our life in Christ is that I'm on my face confessing some things to the Lord and changing my minds about the things that I was after that's not of him. It's like, this is where we need to be at. And so I think there's a little confusion between two things that we do Sometimes one is called confession, one is called repentance. Although they're linked together, I do think there's a bit of difference, and I'll tell you why I believe there's some difference. I can confess something to God and not change my ways. So we can confess, I get it. We can confess, but repentance puts action behind the confession. I confess, Lord, I did it, I messed up, I ran that thing, I did that thing, I said that thing, I lived that way. But repentance puts the action behind it to say, I'm gonna change my thought about it, not do it again. So the way I, I look at it is my, my kids, and I always use my kids as an example, my boys in particular. So they fight daily, because they're, 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 they're gonna be best friends, I promise you, right? And one of them pounds the other one, almost always, right? Just bigger, pounds the other one. And when I come, I can get him to confess, well, he made me mad, that's why I pounded him. But do you think that his confession leads to repentance? 
Because an hour later, they're pounding one another again, right? So there's a difference there between I not only confessed it, but I repent. I'm going to change my mind, and I'm going to go the opposite direction. But I'm believing one day they will. Come on now. Amen. And so here's why we see this in, in, in Scripture in 2 Kings. In 2 Kings chapter 22, you're going to see a king. His name was Josiah. He was awesome. So you're going to see a whole line of kings throughout the, the book of First and 2 Kings who were wicked in the eyes of the Lord. They worshiped idols in the eyes of the Lord. And you're going to find this king. His name's Josiah. And it says that he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. And the people were suffering greatly because of all the other kings that had come. They were suffering because they had disobeyed the Lord and worshiped idols and all these things. And so when Josiah became king, he wanted to go into the temple and he wanted to clear out all the idols. They had set up all these idols. The, the temple of the Lord was in ruins. So he, get, he says, clean it out. Get the idols out. Get all the things you're worshiping out. Pick up the rubble. Pick up the mess. We're, this is the house of the Lord. We want to worship him. So as they're cleaning things out, all of a the sudden they stumble across a book. We would call it the Bible. For them, it was the Old Testament scriptures of the prophets. They stumble across it. And the way I see it is they brush it off from the dust because it's been neglected. The word of God's been neglected. And it says that as Josiah began to read it, he was brought to literal, his, his literal knees in repentance. Here's what it says. Because he had seen how far they had drifted away from the Lord. In 2 Kings 22, 11, when the king, Josiah, heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. He, he literally was reading, oh, how we've drifted. God, I see how you brought us out of slavery. I see your good works. I see the way you parted the sea, you made a way. I see how you established us as your people. I see your hand. I see what was said about you. He's reading all the things in the Old Testament. He's reading all the words of the prophets, and his heart was convicted. He was gripped by saying, I've so wandered away from your ways, Lord. He falls to his knees in despair. He calls the advisors and the prophet of God, and he says, what do we need to do? And this is how the Lord responded in 2 Kings twenty-two eighteen. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says concerning the message that you have just heard. You were sorry and humbled yourself before the Lord when you heard what I had said against this city and its people, and this land would be cursed and become desolate. Look what he says. You tore your clothing in despair and you wept before me in repentance. And I have indeed heard you, says the Lord, so I will not send the promised disaster until after you have died and been buried in peace. Your repentance, Josiah, your deep sorrow of your heart that you got off track and your confession that you didn't do it the right way and your confession of the people so moved my heart that I'm gonna let you live and I'm gonna let you die in peace. This is why repentance is so critical and core to the church because it moves the heart of God. Because what we're saying to the Lord is the things that you're passionate for, the things that you despise, I want to be passionate for those things. I want to despise those things. God heard the repentance of Josiah's heart, his humility that they have drifted away and he had mercy on them. This is what repentance does. It gets us back on track with the Lord and we see healing and restoration. 
So I'm going to ask you just this real question because we're going to jump to grace here in just a second. Does our repentance and our confession in this house, does it bring us to action to get rid of whatever it is that's holding us back from the Lord? I'm going to say it differently. Do you have a doctrine of repentance in your life? Is that a rhythm in your life? Do you have a doctrine of just saying, Lord, I need to go before you. I just want to cleanse this temple out because we're not talking physical temples anymore. We're talking spiritual temples where the Lord dwells. I want to cleanse this thing out. I want to get right before you. Romans 2.4, you're going to say it like this. Or do you not know, or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing that God's kindness, he's going to say it again, is intended to lead you to repentance. So this doctrine of repentance, I want to say this for anybody in this room today. This doctrine of repentance is not given to heap more guilt upon you. This, this is, repentance is so you come to the Lord and go, I, I'm so guilty. I, I just feel the guilt and the shame and the despair. Look, repentance is not to give guilt to you. Repentance is to give freedom to you. Because when we don't repent, I've got to do something with my wrong things. I've got to fix it. I've got to handle it. I've got to have the weight on my shoulders. I've got to fix my marriage that I screwed up. I've got to fix my kids. I've got to fix this. I've got to fix it. I've got to fix my eyes. I've got to fix my hands. I'm constantly got to fix it when I don't repent. But when I repent, I lay it before the throne room of God, and he takes it and shoulders it. You see, one of those things brings freedom, and the other one brings shame, guilt, and condemnation. And when we come to the Lord in repentance, I get freedom. Who wants some freedom in the house today? This is what repentance does. It's not bullhorn guy standing on the corner going, repent or burn. We've missed it. It's not bullhorn guy saying, repent or burn. It's the guy who's saying, do you want freedom or do you want guilt and condemnation? Which one do you want? Lay it down. It's also crucial to point out, and I hope that you hear this, it is a gift from the Lord, and it comes from the second thing that I want to talk about, which is grace. Everybody say grace. Now, there's lots of different means of grace, there's, and what I mean by that is there's different characteristics of the grace of God. Two of those that we talk a lot about that are foundational in church life, one is sanctifying grace. Everybody say sanctifying. And the other one is justifying grace. Everybody say justifying. There is sanctifying grace and there is justifying in grace. So here's what we need to know. Again, before I came to cross, I couldn't spot the issues in my life. I didn't, nothing, I didn't, I didn't know I was walking in sin. Didn't know I was walking in wrong. Didn't know I was walking the wrong path. And then when the grace of God found me, I didn't find Jesus, he found me. When the grace of God found me, something stirred in my heart where I started to look at the things that I was doing going, Ah, that doesn't feel right anymore. And so when we look at grace, what we see is that without his grace, we would never know that we were in the pig sw swallow. We would never know we were in the pig swine. We would never know that we were in the mud. So the grace of God comes in, and here's what it says in Philippians 2, 2 12 and 13. Work hard to show your results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. Look what he says. For God is working, say, in me. God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. It's not because I've got a desire in and of myself. It's not because I have power to fix myself. The Lord Jesus is in me. He's giving me the desire. He's giving me the power if I submit to the Holy Spirit. 
First Thessalonians is going to tell us the same thing in verse 522. Stay away from every kind of evil. Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until the Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will what? Is that up there? Make this happen for he who calls you is faithful. God's going to make it happen. I'm just going to ride his coattails. I'm going to be in his presence. I'm going to hang on to the Holy Spirit and he's going to do the work. And I just need to make sure that when I'm recognizing that I'm off track and that I'm walking in a direction that's not pleasing his heart, that I'm laying it out before him in repentance. Now listen, so two kinds of grace then, what does that look like? Sanctifying grace and justifying grace. I just wanna talk about these two things real quickly and we're gonna pray. Number one, sanctif- or justifying grace. It starts with justifying grace. We call that his imputed, everybody say imputed, Imputed righteousness, imputed is just a fancy term that means to count, to credit, to reckon you as righteous. Not because you did anything, not because you earned it, not because you did something grand. He simply takes his righteousness in his sacrifice on the cross and he puts it in your heart. Not because I deserved it. So he imputes his righteousness into us. And this is why in Romans 3.10 it says, no one is righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands, no one who seeks God. But then he's gonna tell us in Romans 4.3, Abraham believed God and it was imputed. It was credited to him as righteousness. So I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart and he takes his righteousness and he puts it in sight of me. We call that imputed righteousness, justifying grace. It's what Christ did for us. When the gavel came down and declared you guilty, anybody guilty in this room? Hopefully every hand is up, right? When the gavel came down and declared you guilty, the punishment that you deserve, Jesus says, I'll take it, I'll take it, I'll take it. They're justified. Leave them alone. Now then there's a second means then that we see as well, and that second means is the sanctifying grace of the Lord. So one is imputed righteousness, the other is imparted righteousness. Imparted means that the Spirit of God is in me, and it's imparted in me so that I can live my life as Jesus lived. So he takes the Holy Spirit, he imparts the Holy Spirit to the body of Christ, and now it's not what Christ did for us, it's what Christ does in us. Now I get to live towards holiness. Now I get to live being blameless and spotless as I stand before the Lord. And if I were to ask you today, do you stand before the Lord blameless and spotless, I pray that your answer is yes, not because you think that you're blameless and spotless, but because Christ Jesus took it for you. It's sanctifying you, it's changing you into more and more and more of his image. In sanctifying grace, what the Holy Spirit does is he moves in our hearts and cleanses us from the control and the power of sin. It's Romans 6, go read Romans 6, everybody write that down. Read Romans 6, that's your assignment. Romans 6, 5 and 7, for if we've been united with Christ in death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be, everybody say, slaves to sin. We're not anymore because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. 
the imputed righteousness or the justifying grace of God has delivered us from the consequences of sin. The imparted righteousness of God or the sanctifying grace is delivering us from the control and the power of sin in our life. You say it in Romans 6.14, for sin shall no longer be my master because you are not under the law but under grace. So here's what we're gonna do. We've got time. This is like the first time in a long time. We've got time. Here's what we're going to do. We're, we're, we're going to go before the Lord. We're going to practice this today. And when I say practice it, you're really just in the game, all right? We're going to go before the Lord, and, and here's what I'm asking. The altar's going to be open. The crosses are going to be open. The seats that you're in, you can turn around and use those. There's something about just asking the Lord, would you cleanse my heart? Now, so David's going to say this in Psalm 50, 51, 17. He's just committed adultery. He's had Bathsheba's husband killed on the front lines, and he feels the weight. He's like, Ah, I've seen the Lord. I've tasted his goodness. He's been so good to me. He got me out of the wilderness. He brought me out of the sheepfold. He set me as a king. He defeated my enemies. And then I lusted after a woman and I had her husband killed. He's like, that didn't sit well because he had conviction in his heart. So David began to repent before the Lord. And he says in, in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifice you desire is a broken and contrite spirit a repentant heart. You will not reject a broken and repentant heart, oh God. So this is what we're gonna do today. You can stand and worship if you want to. You can kneel, you come to the altar, come to the cross. We're gonna sing an old song that we used to sing growing up in church. And it's David's psalm from Psalm 51. It's create in me a clean heart, oh God. We sing it a lot of men's things that we do, but there's just something that stirs me every time when we sing this. It's just we're praying Psalm 51 that David prayed. He would say, Lord, I realized I messed up, but I know that you can create in me a new heart. I know that you can cleanse me and make me whole and make me new. So I'm gonna ask, is my brother, hey, yeah, there you are, big guy. All right, let's do this. So I wanna pray over you. Father, just pray today that you'd begin to get us to examine our hearts and that we would have a heart that's repentant. We've had a change in our mindset. A change in our mindset that changes the way that we live. So get us to a place, Father, in our heart where we can come before you and we can say, Father, if I've broken your heart in any way, cleanse my heart. Cleanse my heart, Thanks for tuning in today. To find out how to get more involved, go to reliancecommunity.org. Have a great week.